Hallelujah. Empowered. Strengthened. Hallelujah. And I'm believing, I know we prayed about it, but I'm believing that uh, you all have an ear to hear. Amen. I believe um, some things were stirring in my heart last week, and, and um, Trudy, you know, shared some things on the service, and I shared some things uh, during the offering time, and, and uh, so just a lot of things have been kind of stirring in me. And uh, so today, there's going to be a lot of that going to come out. And uh, I believe that if you grab hold of this and hear it, it'll change your life forever. Now, of course, you might say, and well, you you say that every week. Exactly. And your point is? Anyway, praise God. I do believe there's a principle today that if you get a hold of this, um, it can change anything that you're going through right now. It can turn things uh, for the better. It can keep the good, keep them going, keeping it trucking down the road, so to speak. Praise God. And uh, I believe that if there's anything negative, it can get turned. Amen. Because nothing's impossible with my God. Right. And uh, He's the God of all flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, I think you got some flesh. That means, amen, amen, that there's nothing too hard for my God. Amen. So no matter what you're going through or dealing with or what's happening in your life, physically, emotionally, mentally, physic- or uh, financially, uh, spiritually, whatever it may be, we have a God, amen, who's able. I just want to know we have some people ready to believe that. Are you a believer, believing that with me today? Give the Lord praise, everybody. Come on now. All right. With that said, we're going to 1 Timothy chapter 6, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say out loud, I'm going to get it. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 12, a common text, um, at least one in this house. Um, but today we're going to see some things in maybe a fresh new light. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hallelujah. Which means in the presence of everybody around you, praise God. Let's look at this a little bit. Um, like I said, we have touched on this many times through the course of the years, but uh, you know, talking about our confession primarily is what we deal with. And, uh, and again, I'm going to talk some more about that, but I want to take it right at the top of the verse again. It says, fight the good fight. Now, how many know we got to fight to fight? Amen. Now, you got a cross to bear, and, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, you got a race to run, you got an enemy to resist, and you got to fight to fight. Come on. And uh, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter, uh, you know, where you're at as far as your gifting, your calling, doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Uh, if, you're in the, if you're in the household of faith, if you're in the body of Christ, guess what? We're called to fight a fight. Come on now. But it says it's a good fight. Right. Amen. Many guys have, over the years, have had different ideas about that. And, and a lot of times they say, well, a good fight is one that you win. Well, yeah, praise the Lord. That's, that's probably... Uh, that's probably accurate, but in all honesty, it's a fight you're already called, uh, you've already been given the victory in. Amen. And it says just, but you're called to still do your part. It says fight the good fight. But you notice it said fight the good fight of faith. 
You know, it could have said fight a good fight of endurance or something like that. Or it could have said, it could have not had anything there. It could have just said fight a good fight, you know. It could have said, you know, fight a, a good fight of wisdom or, or, you know, the battle of wits. Whatever. But I, it could have said anything else. But it, you notice it said fight a good fight of faith. Everybody say faith. Now, faith, the Greek word is uh, pistis again, uh, and it just means a belief or a belief in. It means a persuasion, a conviction, a lot of the synonyms here, reliance, dependence, assurance, uh, trust, confidence. These are all synonyms of this word faith. And so when he's talking about faith, he's talking about, you know, having trust or reliance upon. And, of course, we're, you know, we're all, you know, saying, well, you know, trusting in God, uh, you know, having confidence in God. Uh, believing God, amen, we could say that's accurate, totally accurate, uh, because it says that we're, uh, you know, we're, uh, uh, as believers, the word's pretty clear that, uh, you know, the, we live by faith, right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to live by faith. It says, you know, tells us, amen, that we have a life that's of faith. We have a race even that, uh, you know, he's the author of our faith. So even in our race, everything is involving somehow or another this faith, this confidence, this assurance, this reliance, this dependence upon God. Amen. And, you know, Jesus said it real clear. Amen. Have faith in God. I mean, you think that's just kind of a, a gimme statement or a, you know, duh or some kind of thing. But in all honesty, that's, it's pretty accurate because a lot of people put faith in other things. Are you with me? They put their confidence in other things, put their trust in other things. But it says fight a good fight of faith. Now, I believe, you know, that the reason it said this because of everything I'm going to share today, um, the word... Um, tells us, in fact, let me make sure I get the right references for them, uh, but in Hebrews 11, now that's the first one I gave them, uh, it, it just says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. It's the evidence of things, what? Not seen. So anytime we're talking about faith, it's not based on what you see. Okay. So we're talking about fighting a good fight of faith. Obviously, it's putting confidence in God, not being moved by what you see. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, a common verse there. Uh, but it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're not walking by natural sight. We walk by faith. That's what we do as believers. The just shall live by faith. That's how we do this. Amen. We walk by a sense of faith and confidence and reliance upon God, not moved by how it looks. Chapter 4 of that same book in verse 18, it brings out, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So obviously you're still looking at something, but not with the natural eye here. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. temporary. That word temporary means subject to change. Everything in this natural realm is subject to change. Let me repeat myself. Everything in this natural realm is subject to change. It's temporary. All right? But the things which are not seen are eternal. These other things that you look at, these unseen things, are eternal things, permanent things. We could say the Word of God, the promises of God, the things that God speaks to you. We can go on and on and on about the unseen realm. Are you with me? But it's eternal. Everything in this natural realm is temporary. Everything in that unseen realm is eternal. 
Are you still with me? Now back to, uh, uh, go with me back to that reference there in 1 Timothy. And it just says this, okay, again, fight the good fight of faith. And then it says lay hold of some things. Lay hold of something here. Lay hold of eternal life to which you are also called. Everybody say lay hold. All right, which means to seize something, to grasp it, okay, but it's more than just necessarily just, just in a sense of taking hold of something. But it means you gotta, you got to, in a sense, understand it. you got to perceive it. you got to grab hold of what's being, what it's all about. Are you still with me? So lay hold on to eternal life. Now, a lot of times when eternal life is brought up, a lot of times everybody's mind runs to someday in the sweet by and by, that great pie in the sky, come on, and everybody thinks about someday when they go to heaven. But the scriptures are pretty clear in John 17, verse 3. It brings out that Jesus said this is eternal life, knowing the one true God and the one in whom he sent. Amen. And so we can kind of go on and on, but bottom line is it talks about, you know, more of it's more about an, a relationship, more about grabbing hold of who he is and your relationship with him and who he sent, praise God. And who did Jesus send? I mean, really, in a, you know, here he is, the word that put on flesh and dwelt among us, it said. He came from heaven. Are you with me? It says, lay hold, back to that verse again, lay hold onto eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Well, maybe we should define it a little bit. The word eternal means everlasting. It means uh, perpetual. That's kind of going to be our key word today. Everybody say perpetual. All right. Uh, perpetual life. The word life there is the Greek word zoe. Okay, which means uh, uh, the God kind of life, absolute life, the abundant life. Uh, it means, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a heavenly life, amen, uh, you know, a perfect, uh, you know, life, a kind of life that you're called to. Anytime it means, or anytime that it speaks of uh, uh, more of a, uh, you know, permanency, amen, in the sense that it's a life without darkness, a light without, a life, pardon me, without uh, any kind of hindrance of the curse. But it says here, lay hold Onto eternal life, which means you obviously can. That you can seize this or you can grasp this. Amen. Everybody say grasp it. Comprehend it. Perceive it. But it also means to take possession of what's yours. But it says you can lay hold of it. And obviously it says that it's something you've been called to. Now, the thing that, that came uh, to me about this. Uh, you know, many times I, I always, you know, kind of refer to, you know, just grabbing hold of that life you're called to, that quality of life, because eternal life is not just about quantity, it's about quality, amen. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I've done a lot of teaching around that, and we're not taken away from that, but the thing that the Spirit of God began to talk to me about is this perpetual thing. And he says you gotta you got to grasp that perpetual. See, you're called... To this perpetual life. And it's talking about something that contains the energy to cause things to perpetuate. To continue. You know, in you, there is, there is some power. You know, Trudy talked last week about, you know, you're no longer just a son of man. You're now a son of God. 
When you made Jesus Lord of your life, you, you now you know, took that breath of life on the inside, praise God. It made you different than just some mere man out there. You're different. But a lot of people haven't laid hold of what they should lay hold of. So what happens is even though they've got everything designed different for them and in them and around them, they don't grab hold or lay hold or grasp the thing that makes them so different. So we go on living even though the greater one dwells on the inside. Even though, amen, we got the Holy Ghost, we got the Word of God, we got the armor of God, amen, we got leadings from God, and we can go on and on all the things that makes you different than some mere man. You're now a, a son, which of course means mankind, a son of God. So we're talking male and female, amen. And there's something different about you. Now what you, what you have uh, with you is this perpetual life thing it just it just it permeates with just energy and power now i don't know how else to explain it it's just it's just kind of how it came to me so you know do whatever you want with it but you know if you i don't know if you're into movies or that kind of a thing but you know if you look at the justice league it's the mother box if you're looking at uh the marvel uh universe it's going to be uh you know the uh the what Infinity stones, but then what's the other thing? The box. The tesseract. Well, no, I know. I just, I, I'm saying, I, you know, but I'm just saying that's the picture I got. Okay, if you, if you get into Transformers, if you're into Transformers, it's the all spark or some kind of thing like that. Now, all of them have this in common. They sit here and they go, wom, 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 wom. So eternal life is Now what you do with a is up to you. Because you know if the wrong person with the wrong, you know, the wrong kind of thinking and the wrong kind of motives gets a hold of the wrong, you know, gets a hold of that kind of raw power, they do something really stupid. But if they know what they're doing and they have an awareness, amen, if, amen, they have grasp with a sense of comprehension of what they have a hold of, they can do something supernatural with that that power. And as a believer, that's why I say lay hold of it. Understand what you got in your hand. Understand what you have in your possession. Understand what's available to you as a child of God. Amen. As a son of God. Hallelujah. As the mankind of God. What you have available unto you, praise God, can change everything. But if we don't know what we have, we we perpetuate the wrong thing. Either way, we are perpetuating Big word for me. Perpetuating something good or something bad. 
Still with me? <clears throat> Hallelujah. You know, we could say the word is kind of that way. Because in here, all the promises of God, the word of God is, you know, it's, it's living and it's powerful. So every time you pick up the word, it should be kind of going, it works. It works. But it goes on then, it says here, lay hold to or on to eternal life to which you are also called. And it says, and have what? Confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So the confession is the word a lot of times we'd look at, and we are going to look at it again today, but it's the word homoslogia, which means same word, or it means a covenant acknowledgement. So this is your covenant right here, and all the promises to your covenant. Come on. It is, it is a legal contract. Come on. It is a covenant. It's been signed in blood. Come on, it's for you as a believer, and inside this is all kinds of terms to the covenant. Promises, amen, do's and don'ts. Come on, all kinds of things are in here, all right? So we're not, we're not going to look past that, but I'm trying to bring out here today is that it talks about a confession. What are we talking Everybody say confession. Now, confession in itself can be a powerful thing uh, just in itself. You know, Romans 10 uh, brings out, a lot of times we use Romans 10, 9, and 10 as, as, you know, a verse to use to win somebody to Christ, you know. And, you know, you believe it in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You know, out of the, the confession of your mouth, the word says that you, uh, you come in, uh, unto salvation. Come on, somebody. Which that word's not just primarily talking about a new birth, but obviously starts with the new birth. Come on, the word salvation is the Greek word soteria, which means, uh, you know, wholeness, uh, preservation, safety, health. Uh, you know, we go on and on and on, okay, about what I always like to look at as the full meal deal. But it starts with a, it starts with a conversion. It starts with a born-again experience. That's why we use that kind of reference for winning somebody to Christ, to, for them to believe in their heart. Amen, about Jesus, and now confess it out of our mouth. Now, the point I'm trying to make is the power of confession. You literally, with a confession, with believing something in your heart and then confessing it, can literally have the greatest miracle that could ever happen to a human being happen because you used your mouth right. And you confessed him as Lord as a result of it. You're no longer hell bound. You're now heaven bound. Praise God. Somebody shout amen. amen. And that starts this process, this whole thing. All of a sudden now you're a part of a different family. All of a sudden now you're part of a household of faith. All of a sudden now you're one of those sons of the kingdom. Sons of God. Because of a confession. 1 John 1, 9 talks about the power of a confession. Just when you confess your sin unto him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just a confession out of your mouth can literally set you free from your past. Bang! Done! Now, your neighbors may not think that way. Your family may not think that way. But according to God, it's a done deal. The power of a confession. So you get back here, you know, to 1 Timothy, and he's talking about having confessed a good confession 
in the presence of many witnesses. That means, it means you're, you're not ashamed or afraid to talk something in front of others. But we're, he tells us what to say. The same word. We don't just say anything. We confess a good confession. Otherwise, it ain't going to be a good fight. Even though you're called to win and have the victory given unto you and he's leading you in all triumph, if your confession is talking something other than the way you're supposed to be talking, you're going to mess up that fight. And you're going to be the one that's going to end up face, doing a face plant on the mat or the concrete or the carpet or whatever. Is anybody hearing me? See, it says here, lay hold onto eternal life, that perpetual life that you're called to, and you're going to have to start talking something different. Everybody say confession. Hallelujah. Psalms 50 and verse 23 talks about him who orders his conversation right. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct, that some of your translations will literally say conversation, who orders his conduct or conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. Even in the old covenant, he says, you've got you to order your words, because this word conduct here means a conduct produced out of conversation. So somewhere your conversation has to be involved. Still with me? Let's let this build a little bit, all right? Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, out of your mouth can come either death or life. Now, you've got to see words as containers. Words are building blocks. And if we're going to talk things that are of death or of curse or destruction or ruin, if we're just going to talk world conversation you're probably building something you probably don't want to build. If we're talking life, amen, talking what he said to say, come on, somebody, then we can build something that he's designed for us to build. Are you with me? Let's let it build some more here. All right. Matthew 12 and verse 37 says, For by your words, in fact, prior to this, he talks about the importance of words. You're going to give account of your words. Here he says, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. By your words. This is what Jesus said. Your words can either destroy you or help you. Can make things right or make things wrong. Are you still with me? Yeah. Let's look at another verse. It says this in uh, chapter... Files a man, it's what comes out his mouth. Now, Pastor, why are you talking about it? Because I'm talking about what does that have to do? Well, everything because you hold the power, and what you're going to do with that power is up to you. If we're just going to talk what everybody else out there talks, it just perpetuates. Let's look at another reference. James 3 and verse 6. James is the half-brother of Jesus, grew up in the same house as Jesus. 
It says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Of course, he's talking about a tongue that's out of control here. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire. Look at this. It defiles one's body. Come on. Your mouth can literally defile your body, can cause your body. You want to know where sickness and disease gets its uh, traction from? Are you hearing me? Sickness and disease gets its traction from you talking it. And it says, sets on fire the course of nature. You want to know why everything out there is going to hell in a handbasket? Because that's what we keep talking. And it said it's so set, of course, he's talking about a tongue out of control. It's so set on fire by hell. So he's talking about his tongue that's out of control. Listen, he's talking to believers. Why is that so important? Because you hold the power. You have the power. And if you don't necessarily, even if you don't grasp what it's about, it's still doing something. Because you're a believer. You're a child of God. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Now, you don't just get to decide when you turn that on and when you turn that off. It's always active. It's always working. So perpetual power, perpetual life is always at work. Let's give you another reference here. Joshua 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Even back then he's saying, listen, you got Joshua, if you want this thing to work you got to get your mouth working right. Listen, if you're going to talk poor, you're going to be poor. You perpetuate it. If you're going to talk sick, you're going to be sick. Why? Because you perpetuate it. You want to talk uh, uh, marital problems? Guess what? You perpetuate it. You want to talk kid problems? You perpetuate it. Now, your pastor has studied this for years. And you know, every now and then... The manipulator deceives me and lures me into talking something other than what God said. I'm the pastor. Been here 30 years now. Come on. I'm no better than anybody else. I'm just telling you that if, it, if, if, the, if the enemy has ways of luring the pastor into this, I guarantee you, you've probably been lured in this a few times yourself. So you got to get your mouth working for you. He says, but you shall meditate in this, talk about this word, day and night. That means the good times and the bad times, not when it's daylight or night in the sense of no light. He's talking about in the good times and bad times. That you may observe to do then according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You want success? Talk it. You want prosperity? you got to talk it. If you want victory, you got to talk it. You want, you want failure? Talk it. You perpetuate it. Listen, nobody's upset with anybody. I'm just telling you, if you get a hold of this, it could change anything you're going through right now. Just by your own mouth. Somebody said, well, you know, this whole world, the way things are, listen, if the church who has the power would get a hold of this. The church runs it all. But we're too busy talking all the junk. And we perpetuate. We, sometimes if you ever just stop and go, why does that always happen to me? 
Why does that always come around? I, I think one minute I got a victory, and all, here it is again. Why has that always happened to me? Sometimes the things we deal with today are things we spoke yesterday. Listen, if you want the dog, stop calling the cat. It's that simple. If you want victory, you got to talk victory. You got to speak that. His words, his words, same word, covenant acknowledgement. You got to speak that. That's how it works. You grasp the power that you walk in and speak it. Praise God. You want to change things at home? Let's get our mouth working for us, not against us. You want your financial situation to change? You're going to have to get your mouth working for you, not against you. Romans 4 and 17. God, of course, talking about Abraham and, and Sarah. As is written, I made you a father of many nations. Talking about Abraham here. In the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead. In other words, in other words what it says here is God, say, God speaks life even in a dead situation. Are you seeing? That's what happened with, with Abraham and Sarah, wasn't it? Right? You shall have a child. I now call you Abraham, which now means the father of a great multitude. Well, I haven't never had a kid. You're going to have a kid now, a promised child coming to you. So he said, cool. Well, it took a little while to get Sarah convinced about it. But he spoke the same thing over Sarah, but Sarah, Sarah didn't quite grasp it. So we had a little problem there, a little glitch. We'll leave that alone, but we had a little glitch. But then finally Sarah got a hold of it. Soon as Sarah got a hold of it and said, okay, I agree with that. Everybody say agree with it. Agree. See, it's up to you what you're going to agree with. See, the word talks about the power of agreement, and it didn't say only if you agree about good things. It just says all you got to do is agree, and if you get an agreement, you get, the, you get the result of that agreement. So if you're going to agree with the enemy... And you're going to agree with sickness, disease, poverty, lack, issues, problems, circumstances that continually take from you, curse, uh, you know, uh, ruin, despair, uh, you know, uh, we can go on and on and on. If that's what you want to get in agreement with, guess what? Because you start talking, you get in agreement, now it just perpetuates because you're talking it. It's time to change it. I said it's time to change that. Now, God calls things that do not exist as though they did. Calls the things which do not exist. See, right now it's not here, but God says, but it will. So, well, that, it's over there. No, I take it. I say it, it's going to work. See, Jesus did the same thing. Peace, be still. It wasn't still. Did he lie? The fact was there's a storm. But the truth is, peace, be still. Pick up your bed and walk. Well, I can't pick up my bed. Well, I've been laying here for years. Are you telling me to pick up your bed and walk? What? Stretch out your hand. Be made whole. Be well. Come out of him, devil. What's he doing? Calling things that be not as though they are. 
Mark 11 and 23, a famous verse, of course. You know, he says, have faith in God. Then he goes on to say, uh, Mark 11, 23. Uh, let's move to that. Sorry. But it talks about saying unto your mountain. There we go. Thank you. Surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, says to this mountain, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not die in his heart, but believes in those things which he says, which he says, which he says, will be done, and he will have whatever he says, what he says, what he says. Well, what's the mountain? Well, that don't make no sense because he ain't got to tell me that Mount Bachelor, you're going to throw Mount Bachelor into the sea. That's really stupid. No, he's talking about that thing that towers over you. That's all it means. That thing, that issue you're going through, that thing that towers over you. The problem is, we talk about it. We give everybody guided mountain tours. We say, hey, there's ways up this mountain and a lot of ways down. And, and let's say, let's talk about what kind of mountain do you have? Well, I have a big mountain, but my mountain's bigger than your mountain. And so what we do is we perpetuate. So now we got a whole, whole bunch of mountains that are growing up, popping up everywhere. And then our kids learn about it. So they say, you know what? They all got mountains. I want my mountain. Now, this is not like Caleb was telling his mountain to, you know. I'm talking about they all, everybody, I got issues, you got issues, we all got issues. Yeah, that's right. Let's go to church and talk about our issues. And here you are, warm, warm, warm. I have issues. I have a lot of problems. That woman that you gave me. That idiot of a husband. I never have enough. Seems like I never have enough. I'm always broke. I can't. I don't even have enough paycheck to get to the next to the next payday. Oh, I don't believe in that stuff. Doesn't matter whether you believe. It's what works. That's why you got to grasp what's yours. Lay hold of it. And then understand, I can shift this, change this, rearrange this, make this thing right by saying what he said to say. Well, I don't feel like it. I know, I know, and I know. Them darn feelings sometimes can be so destructive. Listen, you're good people. You're good people. You know how I know? Because you're here. That doesn't mean everybody that didn't come ain't good, but I'm just saying. You're here, which means you're willing to at least give some part of your week to God. Some of you watching, some of you listening by internet now, or whether it's podcasts or Vimeo or Roku, whatever it is, they're right now taking the time to watch and to listen. Why? Because they're good people. Why? Because they have, you know, within them this desire to somehow move some direction anyway, at least slightly toward God in any way they can. Makes you good. But even good people do stupid stuff. Ask me how I know. (laughs) 
we have feelings and we, we, we operate sometimes out. And then what happens is we, you know, you know, even though we got feel this way, feel that way, we've still got this thing going. But because you are in anger or, or, or grief or pity or whatever, I mean, even good, honest people sometimes say things they shouldn't probably say. Well, I'm just being honest. Please don't. Because you just perpetuated something. And if you're going to be honest, then, you know, make sure that what comes out is not just a bunch of facts about how you view things, but what does the truth say? That's different. See, God says, talk this, don't talk that. Well, you know, this nation, a bunch of nutso, idiotic, people. Nobody, there's people that think that we should have a right to make decisions. Especially for somebody else. Is there any agreement in the house? Watch it. Yes, and then we wonder, why does it keep perpetuating? Why do they keep making more dumb decisions? And you think, well, it's all on them. No, not necessarily. I mean, they've made choices too. I'm not taking away from that. But you and me as the church, the last thing we need to be doing is talking it out of our mouth. Come on now. And I'm not agreeing with anything that's going on. I'm not, I'm not saying you got to get in agreement with it. I'm saying say what God says. Find out what God says about it. Then begin to declare that over your country. Declare that over your uh, people in charge or who think they're in charge or whatever. Okay. Uh, declare uh, that over your church. Declare that over your marriage. Declare that over your kids. Amen. Declare that. Amen. Over your finance, your health. We can go on and on and on. What do you want to perpetuate? I'm saying that right, right? Okay. That's what we got to talk. Are you with me? You know, years ago, somebody made the comment. I don't know. I just, I can't even remember where I got it now. But they said, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, but instead reverse it. So all this stuff that we, you know, we stop and we just curse it, we nurse it, and we rehearse it. And all we do is perpetuate it. Or we can reverse it by changing what we say about it. Again, I'm not condoning, uh, you know, what's going on. I'm not, I'm not agreeing what's going on. I'm not, um, you know, um, ignoring what's going on. I'm not, you know, avoiding what's going on. It's there, baby. So what do you do about it? Well, you have what it takes to change it. Now, there are things God will ask of you to do, as we even found out last week, things that God will walk you through and do. Amen. Some people call to do this. Some people call. But all of us as the body of Christ are called to at least get our mouth doing the right thing. We can all do that. And we sometimes might have to bite your lip 
while you say it. But you, we got to say the right things. We got we gotta, we gotta to take hold and grasp that, that, that perpetual life source that we have given to us when we made Jesus Lord of our life and do the right thing with it. And not let it be something that destroys us. But in the, instead, praise God, amen, brings us into who we're called to be. Can I hear a big amen? amen. <sighs> Isaiah 54, 17. Are you there? I'll get there. Hallelujah. It is actually one of my go-to verses every day of my life. It is something that gets quoted, um, that I quote over our household. I quote over you all. As, as a body of believers. And uh, it says that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Come on. How many agree with that? See, the enemy's trying to do things all the time. He's forming weaponry, forming things, trying to somehow manipulate this and manipulate that and stir this and stir that, trying to somehow get something formed against you. But this is a promise. He says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn or call it in the wrong. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord for our righteousness is of him, it goes on to say. Amen. So this, that's your promise. Okay. But it, you notice it said every tongue rising up against us in judgment. You know, you know, early on, you know, I just thought, you know, everybody that's sitting back there bad-mouthing me, bless God, I just right now take a stand against all those that are bad-mouthing me. In Jesus' name, shut up. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's accurate. I mean, you know, I don't want, you know, if people are speaking evil or, or trying to, you know, whatever, yeah, you, you want to knock that down and cut it off because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Come on, somebody. But you notice it said every tongue. Does anybody have a tongue? Every tongue. Sometimes your own mouth works against you. So I thought it was worthy with this service to at least bring this up and say, crop failure, Lord, on the words that we've been speaking. That this tongue that has been war waging war against me Hallelujah. It's being brought down in the sense of, no, it will not condemn. It will not. It will not control. It will not dictate. It will not. I speak words of life. And those words of death, done. Crop failure. Anybody in agreement with that? Now, we're just about done. Somebody said, praise God. Proverbs 21 and 23. Now, here's our job. This is actually a big job. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So, Lord, my tongue has waged war against me. I bring it down in Jesus' name, and I say in Jesus' name, that is not going to control, I, I pray crop failure on those words. Now I'm going to choose it and speak life. But see, it says here, I got, a, I got a guard over my mouth now. I got to put a guard on my mouth. I got to guard this thing. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to guard it. 
got to guard it. It says here, it said, uh, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. The message translation says, watch your words and hold your tongue and save yourself a lot of grief. The passion translation says, watch your words and be careful what you say and you'll be surprised how few troubles you have. Just by guarding your words. So much can change and shift just by changing our words. We can begin to turn the tide instantaneous if we will begin to change what we say about certain things. Literally change it. Now, it may not be instantaneous, but we can at least instantaneous shift the tide. We can shut it down so it is no longer working against us, no matter what, whatever it is we're talking about, because it might be your thing, maybe something different than my thing. Come on now. Psalms 141, verse 3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep a watch over the doors of my lips. The reason I read that was because God will help you with this if you let him. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, God isn't going to put a zipper on your mouth, which there are times I wish he would. But that's not how this works. But he will be there and give you a witness and a check when you begin to run your mouth the wrong direction. And praise the Lord for that. You know, when we began to get a hold of this and we just said, Lord, we give you permission. Interrupt us. If I'm, if I'm talking something I shouldn't be, just give me that witness. Amen. Now, God ain't going to shut you up. But he'll give you a witness saying, whoa, 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 whoa. And what you do with that, now, if you keep rejecting it, guess what? Pretty soon he'll just be quiet and step out of the picture. But if you want him to help, he will help you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Whoa. When you begin to understand, you grasp, see, there's a sense of comprehension, understanding of what you actually have a hold of. You'll guard what you say. There'll be some conviction when your words go contrary. Put Job, we got to talk about Job for at least a minute. This is what Job said. Job said, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I've erred. Verse 25. How forceful are right words. But then he said this. But what does your arguing prove? You think, well, what? what, what? So he knows, see, he knows that words are forceful things. He knows, amen, that you got to guard your mouth. But what's he, but, 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 but. He thinks he has an excuse. Because, you know, I don't know if you know the story about Job, but He's had a real bummer week. I'm just telling you, I don't know if you've ever had a week that bad. But that was a bad week. It, it, bad, bad, bad week. Okay. And, um, and he's, he's getting some instruction about guarding his words. And he, he's thinking, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. I understand what you're saying. And probably that's probably accurate. But you just don't know, Pastor, what I'm going through. And if you knew what I was going through, you'd understand why I'm talking the way I'm talking. Job, I know you're having a bad week. But if you want to make the week perpetuate, keep talking it. If you want it to change, And you're going to have to get your 
that covenant acknowledgement, that same word, homos logia, that confession coming out your mouth to change it. It's a big part of it. You're creative beings, and you hold the power. We can change our households. We can change uh, you know, our, our state, our nation, if we just stay with it. A lot can happen if the body of Christ will just do the right thing. Come on. And, I, again, I am not ignoring or avoiding the facts. I'm saying if you want to change the facts, then we're going to have to speak truth. With me? Later on in this chapter, last verse, I'll show you, chapter 22 of Job. says this, you shall declare a thing. I think somebody's getting hold of it. You shall declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on all your ways. In other words, if you will begin to shift this and change this, all of a sudden, you got God involved. Changing this and doing this. Come on, somebody. You know, God, uh, last week Trudy did such a great job of, of bringing out the fact that, you know, all of creation right now waits for the sons of God to step up to the plate and change it. But if we'll keep talking it, what everybody else out there is talking, come on, it doesn't change. I want it to change. So it's going to take all of us helping with this and doing this. Amen. I want things to change in your household. Some of you are going through things nobody should have to go through. Some of you are dealing with things Nobody should have to deal with. Some of you are, are experiencing things that nobody should have to experience that. We need to change it. Take that which you have within. That perpetual life. Use it to your advantage. Change what needs changed. Somebody said, well, I, I don't know any of the verses. You know, has anybody got a cell phone? Nobody got a cell phone? Anybody got a cell phone in the house? Anybody got a smartphone? There's been a few times I don't know how smart mine was, but there's, a, there's some smartphones out there. Yeah, you could just, anybody got an iPad? Anybody got a computer? I mean, nowadays, I mean, you don't even have to go buy the books. You just pull them up and there it is. All you have to do is pull up promises from the Word of God. And you go down the line. Well, I need a bunch concerning health and healing. I need a bunch concerning my marriage. I need, break, I need a breakthrough with my kids. I'm dealing with, I need a breakthrough with my finance. There's so many promises in the Word of God. And child of God, you don't need like a hundred verses for everything. Find the verse that speaks to you and speak it. And you'd be amazed how all of a sudden the tide turns and it shifts. And I'm telling you, if we can just get our mouth working right, most of the problems we deal with is, you know, in just normal everyday living would probably go away. Well, that takes a lot. No, it don't take any more than you standing there grumbling and griping about it. 
it, just real simple. Just look it up and say, you know what? I'm not necessarily feeling it right now, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Honey, do you feel something? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My God shall supply. My God delivers. My God provides. I was like, the neighbors have come over. What is going on over here? Well, I have summoned you to know Jesus. Come know Jesus, the one in whom I serve. Hallelujah. It's amazing, though, but it'll change. It'll change things. Did you get some today? Give God praise, everybody. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.